Welcome to the Katie Halper Show. Uh, you can hear the Katie Halper Show every Wednesday at 7 p.m. on WBAI. That's 99.5 FM, WBAI.org. Please make sure that you rate and review us on iTunes and subscribe to us on SoundCloud. And to hear the full interview, the extended interview, make sure you go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash the Katie Halper Show. Again, that's patreon.com slash the Katie Halper Show. We're really excited to be talking to uh, two special guests, actually. Uh, Shuja Hader is a writer and musician whose writing appears in places like Jacobin and the New York Times, and he is an, a, a contributing editor at Viewpoint Magazine. Nick Murray is a former editor at the Village Voice and Rolling Stone, and he is he just came back from Charlottesville, Virginia. Welcome. Hey, thanks. Thanks for talking to us. Um, so we're going to talk to uh, you, Shuja, about a piece that you just wrote that's getting actually a lot of attention. You wrote it at Jacobin, and it's called um, One Has to Take Sides. And the subtitle of it, the subheader, is Many Sides Aren't Promoting Racism and Hatred, One Side Is, and Ours Is Committed to Stopping Them. So actually, let's let's start with you, Shuja. Yeah, so uh, the title of the essay comes from um, a novel by Graham Greene called The Quiet American. It's about a, a guy in Vietnam who is a journalist who is kind of dedicated to remaining objective and not getting involved. And it kind of displays how how that kind of falls apart. It, uh, it leads to situations of uh, compromised morality. And it's something that I was thinking about when, when uh, Trump made his statement uh, after the events in Charlottesville, when he said uh, something about how we saw hatred and bigotry and violence on many sides. We condemn in the strongest possible terms this egregious display of hatred, bigotry, and violence on many sides. On many sides. Which, you know, to any reasonable observer is completely ridiculous when you have Nazis on one side. You know, you can't uh, kind of uh, describe an equivalence or a level playing field when when it's Nazis and anyone. And non-Nazis. Yeah, you, whatever. Whatever is opposed to Nazis, you know, it's, it's not going to be uh, on the same level. Um, but uh, for Trump, it was. We condemn in the strongest possible terms... This egregious display of hatred, bigotry, and violence on many sides. And then, for a second, it wasn't. Racism is evil, and those who cause violence in its name are criminals and thugs, including the KKK, neo-Nazis, white supremacists. And then it was again. Excuse me. What about the alt-left that came charging at the, as you say, the alt-right? Do they have any semblance of guilt when he actually said that the nazis were bad but the alt-left was just as bad which was a phrase he picked up from a bunch of liberal pundits which was an unexpected but uh, kind of fitting new grouping right callback between the two of them yeah yeah of course that term the alt-left comes from james walcott who is a who wrote about this in uh vanity fair he's actually a very very yeah. good writer um and that's what they tell me yeah i mean he's a smart guy he's a good writer but i don't know yeah keep going i said did you see what he wrote about uh louise mensch that uh it was a a little further back uh uh when when this whole russia conspiracy thing was really 
kind of spiraling out into uh, complete uh, speculative uh, conjecture, uh, he was one of the people who took Louise Mensch the most seriously in like the mainstream media. And I think, I think the phrase he used to refer to her in one of his columns was uh, James Bond on jet skis. Wow. Was the way he described her. Yeah. Something like that. Uh, anyway. Yeah. He took her really seriously as someone who had uh, valid information about uh, some kind of espionage conspiracy, uh, which now we know that she was literally just making up uh, just out of her ass. In the uh, in the late seventies, Wolcott wrote some good pieces about punk music. Right. Okay. So, I don't know what's been going on since then. Yeah, he's had a cu- he's been off for yeah. There's for a whole co- gap there. Couple, I don't know that we yeah, can't. He's had a couple rough you. decades. The eighties. Yeah, the eighties. We happened. don't know what happened. Let's talk about the 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 term the alt left. The idea behind that was the claim that uh, people on the left and people on the right end up meeting in the middle, or outside of the middle. I don't know somewhere. Uh, on the other end of a uh, geometric structure. A horseshoe, perhaps? Yeah, that's the usual way uh, people talk about it. But the idea is that some kind of focus on economic issues leads people to turn into racist, uh, sexist bigots in the same way as the people on the alt-right are. Which, you know, needless to say, doesn't really make sense because... Uh, You're talking about uh, people advocating for universal rights for kind of egalitarian society, which is based on a totally different ideological framework than the people on the alt-right who are openly interested in like the, the kind of bogus science of racial difference and racial hierarchy. But for people in the center, the idea of some kind of universal political ideology it's it's too scary it sounds uh like socialism which is disturbing to them but ultimately that's what it is and that's what you have to be uh if you're going to advocate for uh an actual opposition to inequality and injustice so that's why that's why there had to be a new kind of slander that was invented and which i don't know if i don't know if it's actually walcott was the first person to use it uh, but he was certainly the first person to kind of systematize it and put it out into, uh, uh, you know, uh, an extended form. And it really got picked up uh, all, all over the place uh, by people who wanted to carry on the divisions that got generated by the 2016 primary uh, between people who didn't want to consider ideas of economic justice and wanted to kind of preserve, you know, this neoliberal hierarchy in society without the appearance of inequality. And can you tell us what inspired you to write this piece? Well, you know, I mean, I was uh, kind of monitoring the events of the day from from a distance online, um, just seeing uh, the reports as they came in, which were really confusing, which were really uncertain. Uh, It was very hard to, to know... Um, who was there, who was being affected. Um, but it was really, uh, you know, it really got to me, actually, um, to find out about the people who had uh, put their lives on the line and uh, the person, at least one person we know, who lost her life um, in this confrontation, uh, which was not 
it was it wasn't for her you know she was there for others she was there for the most vulnerable in her community um and so it's it's really you know the most tragic thing that you can see happen uh the for someone to be someone's life to be taken in an act of selflessness um which which is what really made it uh all the more you know distasteful even disgraceful uh that uh the the way that this was kind of politically depicted in uh mainstream political rhetoric uh was to ascribe an equivalence between between the sides that we saw there you know there was an article in the atlantic just shortly before uh the the events in charlottesville happened uh called the the i believe it was called the rise of the violent left uh and it said that there was a, a kinship i think was the word that that was used between uh between fascists and anti-fascists uh people who were there to protect themselves and others from neo-nazis and white supremacists and the kkk and so on um there's a you know you really have to do some uh, mental contortions to believe that fascists and the opposite of fascists anti-fascists have a uh, a similar uh, moral character you know uh if you believe that uh, a group that uh kind of dehumanizes a segment of humanity and the the side that wants to prevent them from doing violence to those people. If you think that those two are, are somehow the same, uh, I, I don't know how you can arrive at that conclusion. Uh, and, you know, uh, consider yourself on the left, certainly, or even to be uh, a person of good moral or logical character. Uh, and, you know, Trump is someone who blatantly defies that. He said, you know, that the alt-left is just as equally to blame for the violence as, as, as the right. Uh, but we've seen people in the center and uh, in, in uh, the kind of more influential, uh, powerful segments of, of liberalism saying the same thing. Uh, and that really is dismaying in terms of what side they've decided to take. Uh, either they've decided to step out when it's very clear that one side is dangerous or they've kind of tacitly accepted uh, the side that opposes uh, justice and equality and uh, liberty. Because even by their own standards of what they're committed yeah. to, right? Like, uh, I, I, thought that, <laughs> I thought that something that united the left and liberals was it a contempt for Nazis. Apparently not. I mean... Uh, Apparently yeah. the contempt is is equally distributed uh, beyond Nazis to to as as Trump put it uh, the many sides uh, that were involved and you know the other organizations that were there I mean you know it was it was the rally was called Unite the Right and it was yeah so the rally was called Unite the Right and the idea was to put together all these different reactionary groups uh, which you know the distinction maybe less meaningful to us but it was uh the point was to demonstrate that they're a unified mass um and a kind of similar thing happened in response on the left there's there's groups and you know if you're on the left you know that like left sectarianism can be as vicious and as uh uh hostile as any you know 
kind of genuine political division, uh, whereas it, it's actually usually very small. But, uh, you know, all kinds of different left parties, socialist parties, communist parties, anarchist groups, uh, even people who weren't members of groups, uh, people who were in uh, groups that were dedicated to more particular goals. Uh, you know, there were, there were uh, local chapters of Black Lives Matter there, of uh, immigrant advocacy groups there. Um, so you had all these different groups coming together to say uh, that they that they opposed racism and Nazism and white supremacy. Uh, but the the segment of the political spectrum that doesn't want to sign on is in the center, and it's the people you know at the Atlantic or uh, at uh, you know in in the at the Center for American Progress or uh, you know all of these kind of influential. Uh, political bodies that that are saying, well, uh, we're going to sit this one out, uh, and you're all uh, equally equally distasteful to us. Let's bring you in, Nick. Um, so we're going to talk to Nick Murray, a former editor at the Village Voice and Rolling Stone, and he is just coming to us. He just came back from Charlottesville, Virginia. Can you kind of fill out some of the? Uh, the atmosphere in that you experienced in Charlottesville and also what this kind of academic or intellectual seeming debate actually has to do with very real things. Let's, let's read, I'm going to read some of the things that, that, um, Trump and that various centrists have said, and I want you to respond and tell me how uh, accurate they are based on what you saw. All right. Okay. How about you, you want to do a true false and then you can elaborate on them? Yeah, that will work. All right. I wish we had a buzzer, but will okay. it be uh, <laughs> all false? I think. Well, don't. Let's not. No, let's yeah, not. Be don't be. Don't. Yeah, exactly. All right. Don't. Don't, don't tell them who said it. <laughs> don't make an ass out of you and me. There were some very fine Nazis. Trump was totally <laughs> right about that. He was right. Yeah. I don't look. We on the left, we don't make assumptions. We judge people based on their the, of the content of their character, not on the swastikas that they may be holding. Uh, not on the color of their flags. So my friend, my friend heard one of the uh, white nationalist marchers yell in a confrontation. How can I be a fascist? I'm Spanish. Uh, I don't know if he was very fine, but there's certainly some adjective right. uh, that applies to that logic. Cultured, fino, yeah. if you will. <laughs> Nick, did you did you have any? Uh... Did you have any confer uh, conversations personally with any of the fascists? Um, no, there was there was one that uh, after a either before or after a physical confrontation, not with me but with people near me, turned to me and said, "Is there anything wrong with loving your own kind?" And I I yelled at him a little, and then I stepped back and realized I was wasting breath. Um, that's the only time I actually addressed. Anything. Okay, so this is the hot take: N uh, white nationalism, self-love, <laughs> self-care, self-love, radical I mean, they, self-care. Uh, people, I heard one of them talking about self-determination. They just want self-determination. Yeah. For their well, they've been doing this for a long time, right? They like they 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 look at what uh, the left is saying and they try to pick up on it. Right. So that they can come up with a, a way of talking that they think we can't object to. 
uh, which is why Richard Spencer says that he wants a safe space for white people and whatever, you know, bullshit. Right. Uh, but, you know, that's uh, that's what they've been doing for, you know, decades now. Um, so can you, um, Nick, can you tell us about what kind of organizing you saw there? And, like, how does, let me say, let's just, uh, you know, Cheryl Gay Stolberg said that it looked like the left was as hateful as the right. Neera Tandon said that, uh, you know, there are uh, the alt-left who want to join with the fascists. There are plenty of ways to find them. So how many people on the alt-left did you see trying to join with the fascists while you were at this protest? You know, I myself considered it after being confronted by the love your own kind man. Pretty persuasive. Uh, yeah, he, he. that's why I had to pull back. Right. Uh, obviously none. I mean, that's a ridiculous claim. And as for being filled with hate, I... I certainly hate Nazis. <laughs> I'm not going to say it was That's no really hate, problematic. But, well, like, I think a telling thing is there's this video with the, of the fascist or white nationalist organizer Bakes, Baked Alaska, where he's uh, tear or pepper sprayed and you can hear someone say, we've got a VIP and they clear <laughs> the other people receiving care out of the way. So oh, that wow. baked Alaska can get care. Mm. Um, and there's definitely <clears throat> nothing like that going on on the left. And although I think everyone there hated fascism, the... On the left. Yeah, yeah the, the love between people was... It was, I mean, it, it was necessary because if we weren't loving each other, expressing some sort of positive feeling to each other it would have been uh just a really uh, unbearably miserable day but especially with i mean it was everyone was supporting everyone and especially there was so much clergy involved so many faith leaders and they uh i don't know one priest just like hugged me which was really nice i don't say he was filled with hate or had as much hate in his heart as the all right, I think that's ridiculous. Okay, so hot take: hugging priests not as hateful as a Nazi. Yeah, I mean, that's really controversial. I know, but you know, the thing is, the thing is that that uh, this this con this concept that we have of hate uh, is is vague is more vague than uh, people often allow for. I mean, there's there's a categorical difference I think between. Uh, hating uh, a group of people and hating fascism, like Nick was saying, uh, that uh, was a kind of underlying motive for uh, the counter-protesters. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I hate, I hate injustice. I hate fascism. I hate bigotry. Uh, that's, that's an ideal that I, that I hold on to and that I uh, uh, feel with some conviction and that I'm never going to let go of, you know? Uh, and that's the that's the other side of, of uh, you know the love you have for your comrades and for your neighbors is to is to hate the the forces that would harm them, right? Um, and that's what's always motivated uh, uh, people uh, fighting for justice. You know, you don't fight with uh, unless you have uh, unless there's conflict, and uh, you know. 
if if she saw hate uh, among the counter protesters, then you know maybe it was there, but it's not it's not on, on the on the same moral plane. The right. only the only behavior that I can remember seeing where I thought that's kind of despicable. It wasn't it wasn't hatred that fueled it, but it was this sort of callousness. And it was after this car drove through, and uh, medics were right there, and I think it was the anarchist group groups, but groups had been prepared for this, and the either in, it may have been the dying girl and if it wasn't hers injured people and her comrades took banners and covered her up so she could be these people could be in privacy while they received care and um a reuters cameraman and one or two other news cameramen were trying to get their cameras over the banner to get shots of these uh people that had just been hit by a car right that's the only time where i thought this is like truly uh despicable behavior and it wasn't coming from any one on the left or any right so those were the um, non you're saying that yes that you witnessed some despicable behavior from non-nazis but it was and it was from from the media not from well that's the behavior that's motivated by this the idea of objectivity that's the 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 kind of the false uh 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 position that uh goes back to the the reference in the the title and the, the piece that i wrote uh referencing the quiet american that uh um, if you're, if you're trying to stay out of, uh, every situation, uh, that has an effect too. You know, your, your complacency has sometimes a very destructive effect. Um, and the, the line from the book, uh, that a Vietnamese communist tells, uh, the protagonist of the quiet American, uh, that sooner or later you, you have to take a side if you want to remain human. Mm. Um, you know that's it's it's not uh, it's not possible for us to be transcendent and omniscient. Uh, you know these circumstances that we deal with require us to take action. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's like that Howard Zinn quote, right? You can't be neutral on a moving train. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um. Let's see. So, um, have you gotten any pushback? Uh, have you on this, by the way, uh, Shuja? On that article. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, the the thing that happened uh, after this was that, you know, a lot of people noticed that, you know, there's been universal fascination and uh, uh, despair over over Heather Hayer's death, um, and you know, a lot of other people were injured, but uh, I believe that Heather Hayer is the only documented death at this point, um, and even Trump uh, was forced to acknowledge it. Uh, a friend of hers incidentally said, you know, Heather wouldn't want uh, her name coming out of Trump's mm. lips. She detested him. Uh, uh, but, you know, all of her friends and family said that she was a person who had a social conscience of great depth, that she was very motivated by her awareness of injustice and her dedication to fighting it. Um, and among the ways that we know this was manifested was that she happened to be a Bernie Sanders supporter. Um, she happened to be a Bernie bro of the, of the type that, uh, has been, you know, maligned as, uh, equivalent to the alt-right. Right. You know, when you look at that, that kind of a, uh, a, a slanderous characterization of, of, um, 
a political uh, stance and you apply it to someone like her who uh, was behaved with such courage and whose life ended in such profound tragedy, um, it's, that's just disgraceful. Right. You know, that, that's really appalling. Uh, and at this point, people who are using the slur alt-left or Bernie bro, I think they should recognize that they're talking about people like Heather Hare. They're talking about people who uh, have shown a commitment to, to fighting injustice and who have actually done so at great personal risk and sometimes a great personal loss. Uh, and if you're going to uh, describe them as being equivalent to Nazis, you got to go look in the mirror and uh, really spend some time uh, figuring yourself out because you're not helping. Uh, yeah, I think it's, I'm actually very shocked that people haven't just shut up. Like, I, it's shocking to me that people are doubling down on this narrative of all left and Bernie bro. Yeah. Given that. Well, yeah. you know what? Yeah. What, 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 what Heather Hare's friends and family said was, uh, you know, Heather would want us to carry on her struggle. She would want us to, uh, keep, uh, uh, fighting against injustice and, uh, uh, protecting each other and caring for each other. I think that what, what uh, Heather's best friend, who actually uh, witnessed her, her murder, uh, said was that after her death, she thought, what would, what would Heather do? And uh, Heather would go harder now. She would continue uh, her struggle. She would continue defending her neighbors and her comrades. And she would continue trying to make a better world. Uh, what she wouldn't do is hang up her hat and say, don't politicize tragedy and, uh, you know, just go home and uh, keep your mouth shut. Uh, she would want us to stay out there standing for the ideals that she stood for, that she gave her life for. Yeah. What do you guys think about the idea of politicizing someone's death? I mean, I think it's a, it's not politicizing. There's You can exploit someone's death and then you can actually contextualize it and honor it. I mean, are we not honoring the memory of someone and their struggle in their life when we actually acknowledge what they were about as opposed to pretending that they're something that they're not? I mean, she was killed by a fascist while she was protesting against fascism. There's nothing that's not political about the way she died. Mm. It's not that politics are coming in after and trying to claim it. She died in the most political way that one can die. You know, plus the, the, these types of things are politicized all the time. Uh, you know, are, are you going to tell me that the the, the people who died uh, uh, on 9-11, that their deaths weren't politicized? Right. Yeah, to just justify a war. I mean, fairly politicized. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I mean, it seems like basically we, we're saying that, like, you can't, uh, you know, uh, try to deduce a political ideal from someone's death, but you can start a war yes, if you want. Right. Like, that's actually okay. But anything else is, you know, kind of unseemly. Right, right, right. right. Uh, it's, it's a really bizarre way of, of determining what's proper. Uh, and, uh, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't think it's uh, ethical or reasonable to ascribe to that. You know, we, we need to base that on, on what happened and, and on who was involved. And uh, in this case, it's very clear what happened, which was that uh, political forces uh were were involved in uh unjustly taking someone's life and that she was uh fighting against them and 
we dishonor her if we give up the struggle. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's her biography, right? It's not, it's not distorting something. Yeah. Uh, we do know a bit about what her political positions were through her, her online presence and through uh, interviews with her friends and family. By the way, she, no, I feel like I can't say this, but I totally can. Like, she supported Sanders. She put stuff on her Facebook page about Bernie Sanders. And I don't say that because I want to, like, give dig at people who supported Clinton, but I say it because I can't believe that people are still using the term Bernie bro, given that the right. woman who was killed, literally killed, um, like, run over by a car, that it really is desecrate. I mean, it's disgusting. It's totally desecrating her yeah. memory. It's like in. I really think it's inhuman and inhumane. Like if I were these people who ne who who peddled the Bernie Bro narrative, I would just be like, I'm never gonna say that word again, or I apologize. Yeah, they should be, they should be hanging their heads in shame yeah. at this point. Yeah. Especially after Trump has started using their language. I mean, yeah, that's you yeah. Know? So the the latest thing is um, the the latest news is that Trump actually push back on people criticizing him for not condemning the violence or for doing the both sides thing by saying, well, what about the alt left? Right. Um, yeah. And I just want to put this in context. Like anytime someone, you know, the guy who killed someone in Oregon, he had like a Bernie thing on his, this is actually interesting because I'm just realizing like anytime someone bad does something and they have, the re a remote affiliation with Sanders, they're a Bernie bro, right? Or they represent what Sanders really thinks. Everything from the shooting in Virginia to the random guy who was probably psychotic in Oregon. Well, wasn't wasn't one of the guys he stabbed also like a like a big Bernie supporter? Yeah, yeah. And that guy died defending uh, uh, Muslim people on on that um, on that train that uh, the attacker right. was trying to kill. Exactly. So I don't know. Trying to extract conclusions from that is kind of a, a bogus right. uh, operation. I right. Think. I mean, I just keep thinking it's just so sinister and dishonest. And it's like if the if the Bernie Sanders affiliation is relevant when someone does something horrible, uh, then it's pretty relevant when someone is killed. Right. Like, shouldn't <laughs> these people be talking about this nonstop? Yeah. You know, it's just like, why isn't this? I think yeah. so. I mean, they can because then they'd have to say, oh, look, a Bernie Sanders supporter is like a martyr and hero. Uh, so it's not obviously in their best interest. Um, yeah. Can you talk about what kind of political affiliation you saw at the rally in terms of how people identified flags, all that stuff? If the pri I think if the primary was held among people who were uh, on the streets in Charlottesville, I would say Bernie might have won. People who don't vote might have came in second, and <laughs> Hillary might have been third. Well, this is one thing that was sort of shocking to me when I got back online because of what I basically what I was doing in Charlottesville. I was kind of communicating information between uh, an offsite headquarters and people working on the ground. So that meant I was able to get updates without checking Twitter or looking at Facebook. So I didn't log on to Facebook until 6 or 7 at night. And it was like, it was so shocking to see people saying, um, you know, like like liberals criticizing Antifa on Twitter. Because on the streets, there was, there was nothing like that. And it was, everyone had each other's back. And I think that is, it, like the success 
whatever success that we had in Charlottesville wouldn't have been possible without everyone having each other's back. And people talked about diversity of tactics and in the meetings leading up to it. And it, it was totally, totally respected by everyone. People who were, you know, involved in physical confrontations, like understood that not everybody could take part in that. And people, medics and people at other areas, um, were, I think, seemed pretty grateful for people who were willing to put their bodies on the line. Like you saw Cornell West and at least one other of the clergy that was there afterwards that literally said Antifa saved our lives, you know? Huh, interesting. So it was really everyone working together. And by everyone, so that's like, I think a lot of unaffiliated people who just came out to fight. Uh, to say that they didn't want this in their community. Um, anarchist groups. Uh, the DSA showed up. It was kind of cute. The DSA, most of the like the confrontations happened in the early morning, and then the DSA showed up at their like exact schedule time at noon for the <laughs> march, and were like very punctual and didn't realize that a lot had already taken place. But they were there. They're they're for sure there. Um, other socialist organizations. Black Lives Matter. The Bob right. Black Lives Matter. They were involved. Um, Black Lives Matter Charlottesville is a, I think it's, I don't know the size, but I think it's small, but regardless of their size, they do uh, really awesome work. And they had been organizing for a long time on this. Um, the uh, the Bob Avakian people were. What's that, Refuse and there. Resist or RCP? Yeah, they were out there. It was like, it was really... Uh, it seemed like everyone. Right, every, yeah. And as I said, a lot of a lot of faith leaders. I saw there was this like 20-year-old kid in a Gary Johnson t-shirt. I <laughs> Don't say that. Had a lot of respect Don't for that it. kid. Don't say it. Don't say Yeah, I'm just kidding. I, I was I just know, one, I, I mean. I mean, I think I, this is a really important point, though. Like, you, and, and I think this is a very honest position. Like, you, someone can really reject Antifa without equating them with the Nazis. I mean, this is what drives me a little bit crazy. Like, Antifa, which is anti-fascism, right? And it often will involve confrontations. Um, like, we cannot, we should not be pretending that that being a tactic or a strategy or even an ideology that, that you disagree with makes them the equivalent of Nazis. Like, throwing a rock right. through a window, as reprehensible as you may think it is, or as divisive as you may think it is, or even as like self-defeating, even as sabotaging as it is of the left as you may think it is, it is not beating someone because they are black or Jewish or gay. And like, that's what people did, right? I mean, there was unprovoked violence on the part committed by these white nationalists, um, neo-Nazis, whatever you want to call them. I mean, again, this is just an inherent part of the ideology. And what you're really saying, if you're accepting the the equivalence is you're also smearing the clergy all the nonviolent people right because they were on the yeah. same side as these people at least to some in in that they oppose the fascists together right um again they say that you know liberals always say that we have purity politics i don't particularly i'm not like i don't think a, a violent or i don't want to call it that i don't think antifa is particularly productive necessarily but i will absolutely never pretend that there are any that there's any relation between them and Nazis, except for one of um, opposition. Yeah, I have trouble imagining, this is why I was so jarred to log on and see people in D.C. and New York 
criticizing liberals even, liberals who are associated with Antifa, which is like, I think, like, that's, um, I mean, while, while people were still under physical threat from Nazis were, these people, these pundits were criticizing this coalition that was keeping people safe. Right. Um, I thought it was appalling. And, and I can't imagine if any of these, like, if you were on the ground and watching these fascists assault people, um, I don't know how you could see that and not be, if not grateful for Antifa, at least respect what they're doing. And with the clergy thing, like, like, and this is what I, I mean when I was saying everyone was working together and respecting diversity of tactics, where and I think the Antifa people, because the clergy made this line in like a very, the kind of classic nonviolent action of like linking mm-hmm. arms. And the Antifa, at least a few members went up to them and were like, how can we protect mm. you in this? You know? Um, so if you... And I don't know what it would have looked like without them. Mm, and if people think if people think if they weren't there, then um, I don't know the Nazis would have kind of uh, yeah right yeah, yeah right. Or, the guy wouldn't have like, run well, into the crowd right. I'm sure like, it's like the Nazis were just minding their own yeah, exactly. business. You know they just they weren't they didn't have any no, intentions have to hurt anybody. And then the Antifa right. showed up. It's and like in uh, Back to the Future where the, like people disappear from the photos. Yes. <laughs> like, if, if Antifa didn't show up, the Nazis the would Nazis. just kind of... Yeah, I mean, I feel out. like Hitler wouldn't also, have been born. <laughs> you know, there's a... The, it makes me think of um, Martin Luther King's letter from a Birmingham jail where he talked about how he even said that and to hear the full interview, extended interview, make sure you go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show. Again, that's patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show. 